So I'd like to encourage students to, whenever they're in my class, take it as far as you can go. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't burn out. Because I've seen that happen too. Artists with a lot of potential. And at the end of the program, they're like, man, I don't know if I could do this visual effects thing anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Too much of a good thing almost. Absolutely. Don't overwhelm yourself. Take a few minutes at a time. And again, going back to that five minute rule thing, if you put in a little bit of time to learn something, you'd be surprised at how much more time you've put in and then keep that alive. Welcome to this week's Animator's Journey podcast episode. I'm with Delano Athias, and he is a visual effects artist for the last more than 15 years. And our paths have crossed multiple times. When I was in school, I was watching his tutorials. And so I credit him with a lot of my education early in the career. And so he has a ton of experience teaching as well as doing as he is now. And that's what we're here to talk about his whole journey. So thanks for joining Delano. Uh, honored, man. Thank you. And thanks yeah. for taking it through the tutorials. It's yeah, I was starstruck when I first met you. We uh, The other place our paths crossed was when we both worked uh, in commercials at PSYOP for a minute. And I heard you talking and then I was like, oh, no way, that's him. Because <laughs> <laughs> cool. I had listened to your voice so much. At the time, it was called Digital Tutors and they got bought. It's called Pluralsight now. But yeah, I had listened to so many, especially the rigging stuff and just trying to be an all around better kind of artist. And your tutorials took me much further than I would have gone otherwise. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. That's It's great to hear that, that I could help help further your visual effects skill set. So yeah, I feel and it, it wasn't just me too. It was like where I went to school, we had a big gap, knowledge gap, especially in rigging. And so I think we even fought to get subscription or whatever for our class because they weren't teaching us enough. So we were like, hey, we, and one of your classes was one of the ones that we were like all took. So it's very, you're very far reaching in your influence, I think. So I appreciate wow. your contribution to my colleagues and everybody too. Great to shout out. Like recording booth you don't think about that you're like i hope someone's gonna watch this um yeah. <laughs> i found it valuable let's see if anyone else that's yeah, amazing and because i teach now too and i feel like you also like in an echo chamber because you record that thing put it out and it's not like you get a ton of feedback all the time on who took it you might see numbers or so many people i don't know how much they really watched it or how much they took away it's hard to and you just never hear back a lot of time and that's why i started doing the mentor stuff so i have a bit more one-to-one -one connection with people and i can know when they're stumbling or not instead of it just being out in the ether. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to express that and acknowledge and that influence. I appreciate it. Take me back to the beginning of your journey and how you got into animation or wanted to even pursue it as a career and kind of not just an animation. I do a little bit of everything now, but. Of course. Yeah. I was the kid that would draw in class after an exam and in, in, in grade school. And after finding a passion and like just creating characters, whether be in, in school or at home, just letting my imagination run. Then at some point, I got a job at a movie theater as an usher. And I, at the time, I think Spider-Man won the, the Sam Raimi's Spider-Man with the Tobey Maguire came out. And I was just, I was floored. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Whatever this is, I want this to be my career. I literally remember jumping on the walls in the theater while I reminded <laughs> working. I dropped my broom and, and dust a pen and I'm just like, Spider-Man, and I'm sliding down the wall. <laughs> You know, That's awesome. that my supervisor didn't see me or anything, but yeah. And that spark, how long did it take to take action on that? Did it seem like that was just like a total dream or did you like immediately start taking action on towards that? Or how did, how that begin? I think if I'm not mistaken, like it was basically right away because I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't want a normal job. They say I didn't want something in the arts and I was moving towards graphic design, but that wasn't really for me. And then at the time, a friend of mine, Sean Yearwood, he basically found this school a visual effects school called Full Sail in Winter Park, Florida. And I was in Florida at the time. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't really know what visual effects is. I assume I know a, a bit about what visual effects is, but I'd love to see if this is for me. And we both enrolled and I, yeah, I just fell in love with the program. That's awesome. Um, so it was in person? Yeah, it was yeah. in person. Yeah, I think they it, do online too. Yeah. yeah. Way before they online was a thought, it was 
Uh, yeah, I actually just had two students enroll in Animator Journey who just graduated from Full Sail because I think, I don't know if they have different tracks, but it sounded like they got a bit more generalist knowledge and maybe for the people who want to specialize, I don't know what you're, I'm sure the curriculum's changed so much since you were there, but. Oh, yeah, I, I think like at this point they have a mocap set and they do virtual production and I'm not sure what else they add. To, oh, I believe they also have a 2D animation track now. So yeah, lots changed since I graduated. That's awesome. So what was your first kind of foot in the door? Was it hard after graduating? Was it hard to get your foot in the door or how that first reel that you made, were you trying to get hired as an animator? Because now you do so many different things. What was mm -hmm. the first gig? Was it in animation? Yeah, it was character animation. That was what I focused on the most. I immediately just was drawn to that in, in school. And so I was the kind of kid that would pester my instructors. I'd say, please help me understand what this is. When it came to like lighting and modeling and even animation, certainly rigging too, because like everyone already knows rigging is such a very technical skill set to have along with the other disciplines. But rigging for me was just like, felt like some kind of weird science kind of thing. So I, I just kept asking questions in and out of class too. I'd say, hey, do you have time? I know this is the assignment. Can you help walk me through how this works? Because this is still foreign to me. And they were always really encouraging. Chris Murafi, I remember he was our advanced character instructor at the time. But yeah, he was really supportive. And yeah, eventually things started to click, but it didn't really settle in until I actually joined the workforce. Because yeah. once you have challenges, that's when you're like, oh, now this makes sense. Oh, now I know how to handle this challenge. As a student, you're just still trying to just get through the assignment and do your best to understand. But it wasn't until you're actually given the challenge. Or you're like, oh crap, it's either do or die at this point. Yeah, so, yeah. that's cool. As your kind of journeys progress and looking back through your LinkedIn profile, it looks like there's this kind of stages of development. You worked for a while and then began teaching. And now you're, I think I saw a supervisor knowing your experience at one point. And I have watched your stuff on Python and we've talked about rigging and I've seen some stuff you've been doing in Houdini too. So I'm like, can't keep up with all the stuff. You're doing so many things. How has that? So it sounds like what you described that you were doing in school, like you kept doing because you're always doing something new, it sounds like too. Yeah, I just really really fell in love with my career I because I had the same thought because I get the same question like dude trying to do so much and I'm just like really passionate about what I do it's just so fascinating to me it's one of those things where until you do it you don't know you're you actually care about it right yeah. and that's how I actually fell into rigging work because again like in school I was just like trying to get through the program and understand how it works and then I think a year or two in my career I was asked to rig something and I was like sure you don't want to say no man not a, yeah. because this is your first job or second job I believe but I was just like yeah sure yeah I'm, I'm uh, why not? And once I was given that challenge, then that's when I was just like, I need, really need to delve into this. And I found it very fascinating to a point where it was definitely a close second to animation. Just, yeah, I fell in love with the process of troubleshooting and just figuring out a way to make the process efficient. Because I, I found that some of the tutorials out there at the time, they're just a little too technical. And I just wanted a yes or no or a really solid answer instead of wowing the viewer with technical knowledge. Yeah. Just, that's maybe unnecessary to even know to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not to say there's a time and place for that, because when you're passionate, you definitely want to jump in and start talking about a lot of other things related and you start to go down this rabbit trail, as they say. But for me, I really like to get to the point yeah. you know, through the tutorial and oh, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. But then sometimes when you skip through that, then you find you miss out on other gems that so it's really tough. But I think when I started to teach, I told myself, I just want to be concise because no one has time really to, you know. Yeah. I thought all of yours always were. I, did you script those? Were you reading from a script or did you just have like bullet points or how were you? Look, yeah. yeah. When I first started teaching, it, it was rough. <laughs> I remember, but the team definitely helped. The CEO of Digital Tutors, really kind guy. Him and his wife were very uh, supportive. And he actually came from a teaching background as well. I believe he started as 
an elementary school teacher and then and then went into visual effects and then started teaching college. Once he was Maya certified, his name's Peach Patel and really awesome guy and his wife, Lisa, amazing people who are really passionate about teaching. And that definitely permeated through the entire team. So their energy definitely was absorbed by the team, the other team members. And we just did our best to deliver a solid product. Yeah, I think that I think you guys had achieved that at the time. But so what was the biggest takeaway for you as far in terms of teaching? You did it for quite a few years. Was there what are the pros and cons there? Was there pros? Are you learning more yourself because you're teaching it or as the con, like you're not maybe making things you wish you could be because you're having to teach. Was there, and how did that come to a head to decide to get back into the workforce with it? Yeah, I I really enjoyed teaching, obviously, and I really like to basically get inspired by watching the latest VFX film, maybe something related to Pixar, Disney, especially because that's what clients really wanted. They're like, oh, how do you do that? And we would just look at trends and say, oh, this would be cool to make as a course, kind of shed a light on how this would work. And so we would immediately go into R&D and, to, and just start to, as a team, get through the challenges that members were looking for. And once we decided that the workflow was solid, at that point, we were like, all right, cool, this needs to be a course now. And, and that led to project-based courses where we would all kind of team up like Voltron. And I really love those because now the entire team was working together. Instead of these one-off courses, we created this uh, production pipeline-based learning tree where you know, now if you wanted to learn something related to compositing and CGI modeling, you had a course dedicated to the entire process from concept art, planning, storyboarding, all the way down to rendering, rigging, obviously animation, rendering, and then compositing to create the full package. Yeah. I remember those, there's at least two that stand out. There was a spider one and the transformers one that was like, just to make the, that whole pipeline course had to have been such an undertaking. The transformers one, that was like I remember seeing that being like, oh my gosh, I don't know how they put this together. That's, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was very, it was a lot of work, but every moment of it was so inspiring to see it all come together. We would have dailies where everyone would share their progress and we would just be blown away by what the team was doing. And so that kind of helped get through the laborious hours and work put in to see it through to the end. Because obviously with the transforming pieces, it's a lot to, to manage. And we had to find an asset that, wouldn't take years, right? Because if you watch the Transformers film, obviously there's so many moving parts. So we wanted to create the feel without having to spend so much time transforming pieces that would literally drain the viewer, right? They yeah. just like, they just get so exhausting at some point. So that's cool. Yeah. What was the, I think when we met, you had just maybe kind of taken a break from teaching and jump back into the industry take me on the path from then till now because i think you've been on that same path but and what i find most interesting we've alluded to or talked about is all you have such a vast knowledge and i think a lot of people starting out have the same enthusiasm that you have for a lot of different subjects how do you manage pursuing each one especially to a level that you could be hireable at because i think a lot of people struggle and they don't really make much progress because they do keep jumping around but you've yeah. been able to do it in such a way that you, you've taken every one that you've done. It looks like you've taken very far <laughs> and you've been hired to do. Is there any advice you could give someone going through that kind of struggle? Of course. Yeah. I'd say start small as the, I think that's the advice for anyone like starting something new, just start small. And once you're confident with smaller projects, then at some, if the studio allows it, and say, hey, I'd love to try to do this new kind of skill set on the smaller project if possible just to gain confidence. You don't want to watch a tutorial on fluids and say, hey, on the next show, can I make an ocean? It's just, you've got to definitely build confidence up. And so that's what happened with me. 
where I would do these projects that were throwaway projects, but I just had a lot of fun doing them because I learned so much. And then I started to think about how my own work could use this new skill that I was learning on the side. And so I would then start to say, all right, I can animate, I can rig. How can I now incorporate this rigid body sim or this new visual effect into my own work? And at that point, things started to click. Same way in school where it's, oh, cool. So if I do it this way, then I'll get these results. And yeah, at a certain point, once they know you can do the work, it's all great. So now you can allow the actual, I guess the visual effects team, the ones that are the experts in this, because just to be clear, I wouldn't say I'm like an expert in that, in creating volumetric effects and things like that. I just have a passion in it. There's still the team that are geniuses that know the ins and outs of the software and they would handle like all of the like major tasks. And then if there was like maybe shattering or maybe like a bit of a dust poof or maybe CFX like cloth or something like that, I would get those kinds of projects. That way they can focus more of their energy on the more challenging technical matters. So how, I got a couple of questions related to this. Have you ever, have you ever used all these skills on the same project? Have you been able to see them through or is it typically like you'll do a little bit of this and then you'll jump over and do a little bit of something else or... <laughs> Is it, have you been able to like Swiss army knife one project with all of these skills? There have been a few cases like that. So let's see if I could think of any, there was one for this show called Legion, which was the story of Professor Xavier's son, which is, it was a wild journey. It was a really fun project, very abstract, creative. And so I, I would do things like, I remember there was this like Looney Tunes moment where one of the one of the heroes gets pulled away by a crane from like an FBI agent and they're drinking tea. And then when they get pulled away, the teacup twirls and it holds and then it like falls and shatters. And then there's a little bit of a dust poof. And so I was able to see that through. And then there were other things like, what else? I remember I had to do this taser cable rig for the same show. So like these cables come out. And so what I ended up doing was I created the base rig of the curve going from point A to point B. And then I would sim that using a bit of Maya and Houdini. So Houdini is amazing. The like point wrangle assault is incredible for obviously handling points vertices and so what i did was i ended up doing the similar i just used inherent and maya again just to get the the i guess the all of the secondary you'd see in the cable and then i brought that into houdini to create like the jacket look that you'd get to to just really sell the taser cable look I and so it, yeah. it would so yeah and that's something i loved because now it opened up my mind learning more opened up my mind to the more creative ways to see something through. So now I ever had a challenge, I'd say, oh, you know what? This program could handle this much better than this one. So I think I'll go ahead and do as much as I can here. I start out with the basics. And once the basics were in good shape, and sometimes I'd need to like throw it to my visual effects soup just to see if it likes the direction it's going in. And then I would then start to add detail, finesse and finesse until it got approved. So cool. there was one show, what was it called? The Good Place. I got to do quite a bit of that as well. Like I got to do some like smoke simulation work for the lava lava monsters in that show. But then I also got to do performance-based work. And, and then there was a flying puppy bit where I got to rig and animate this flying puppy. And then, then I simmed its cape again using Vellum and Houdini. So I rigged and animated in Maya and then jumped into Houdini to handle the simulation-based work. Just because Vellum passed. Yeah. And then that's a class solver in Houdini for yeah, people Vellum. who don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. For people who have no experience in the industry and just to give them context, like how, how unique I think your knowledge is, like how many other people on these kinds of projects were doing that same range of work that you were doing? Do you know what I mean? I can't imagine an animator was also hopping in Houdini and doing vellum stuff. Uh, yeah, I think at the time it was all on my shoulders. So yeah. not there was anyone else that was able to contribute that way. But yeah. I'm glad we're talking about it because all it takes is just opening up 
the program and asking questions, right? Creating yeah. a little chat. And don't overwhelm yourself because it, it can be overwhelming to think about all of the steps. But again, if you take it bit at a time and keep it inspiring, it, that's I think that's the way to really absorb any new knowledge. Yeah. You don't want to take it all at once because it's just the mind it can only handle so much, right? <clears throat> yeah, like in medicine, it's like the minimum effective dose. If you're taking a medicine, you got to dose it correctly. You don't want to like overdose. <laughs> so. What's Great. the least amount of this that I can take that's going to be effective to do the thing I want it to do? And that's, I feel like that's a good way to approach learning new things, especially when you're trying to juggle a couple of things at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. To add to that, you're absolutely right. And, and I always use the, what I like to call like the five minute rule where you like spend five minutes like in something new and eventually that'll turn into an hour. And as long as you keep the passion up and it'll be distracting at times because it's why am I learning this? But I'll tell you what, there've been times when I learned something and I kid you not, maybe a week or a month later. I'm actually using this new skill and I never saw it coming. That's why I like to do these kind of quick, like silly projects, because eventually I can say, oh, wow, this silly thing I did here, if I just refine it a bit more, boom, I can, you know. I like that get- too, because it's like at the time when you do need it a week or two later or whenever it is, like in the moment that you need it, it's too late to start learning. It's <laughs> like you, it's a good thing you have had that knowledge and experience learning it. And that's what I've, I've found with Python. It's I get an idea and it's, I don't have a week to learn this thing. I need it like today. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, man. And that's why it's hey, just spend a little bit of time to just learn as much as you can. And you never know when that day will come when you'll actually need to use it. So yeah, that's it's funny how life works that way. So. Yeah. From a career trajectory perspective, do you think it's been, are there pros and cons to it? Do you get, do you get placed doing work that you're, cause you're talking about like passion and stuff, do you get placed in work that you're maybe not stoked on or passionate about in the moment, just, but just because you have such a broad skill set. And mm-hmm. or does it open up more doors because of it as a catch 22? And how do you feel about that? Is that the case at all? Or It's funny you say that because one of, I guess, one of the warnings I got from trying to learn a lot is, hey, you might eventually just be the artist that does this thing instead of several things. And it was something I thought about. It's like, I always want to be clear that, hey, I really love like character animation, creature animation, whatnot. So I don't want to ever not be able to do that. I just made that clear before jumping into something new. It's just, is there any way at some point I can get back to doing what I love the most? Yeah. And once you're transparent, everything should be fine. But there are moments, yeah, definitely when, you know, company need help on said challenge. And I really enjoyed those because it was almost like turning off one system to just focus energy on another, which I felt like a Zen moment, right? Where I could just relax and switch gears, focus on something new and just freshen up for the next project. So it's a little like sabbatical in a way where you're yeah. like, you know, t- some time off just to do something different. So when you come back, you're fully charged and ready to go. Yeah. And that's a good point to making that communication clear when you're pitching ideas to say, I guess something to the effect of, I'm not trying to transition into a new role. I just want to help the or try something that's making it clear what your goals still are and what you're yeah. interested in the most. Yeah. Cause I, right. I guess I, what I've heard, I always use emotion tracking as the example where I forget what studio is. That doesn't really matter, but they're basically like, don't let them know that you know how to do this. Otherwise they're going to stick you on. <laughs> not that motion matching is bad. It's just not what I wanted to do. And, but I was curious about it, but I, I tend to be more protective. And I was just working on synthize tonight, tracking oh, no. a shot for a little visual effect shot I wanted to make, but I didn't want to, I'm not going to tell work that I do that stuff. To be tracking for the yeah. rest of time and and yeah there are places that really respect their artists and so like places where let's say if they need some tracking help at some point you'll still transition back to what you love the most but i think you made this point already having that knowledge will really help you progress right and get the jobs that you actually want because now they can rely on you 
to do more than one task to, to truly be a proficient artist. And that goes a long way. I've gotten like jobs because of that. Like I remember at the mill, they were looking for an animator, but they were also looking for a rigging artist and a CFX artist. And thankfully I had the skill set to, to do all of that. And so it was because of that why I was able to get a job there. Do you tell, do you say that in the interview or how do you pitch that to them to make them aware, like you're open to being a Swiss army knife for them on uh, multiple fronts? Are they, is that mm. something you, I don't know, you reach out and send a message or do you wait till the interview to express that interest or how did well, you approach How'd that go? Well, here's the funny thing, right? And at the time I was still new to California and I still kind of am, but I was definitely exploring and I was in, I forget, I was on the West side and I was just, just wanted to grab a drink at a bar, right? So I go in and someone's throwing like this, a going away party for an artist, right? And so I'm like, oh, that's, that's good energy. And I'm just grabbing a drink. I sit down, just trying to relax. And I overhear someone talking about like freelance work and visual effects. And I'm like, ah, let me go ahead. And I like to jump into conversations like that's just the person I am. That's good. I'm, I'm in but it's at some when it comes to that, I could be outgoing. Yeah. I was like, hey, you guys talking about stuff that I, I'm also interested in. And eventually got to the point where I, I found out that I was talking to a recruiter and who worked for the mill. And we had this really awesome talk. And eventually it led to, hey, we're looking for this skill. And so at that point, I was able to, in that environment, you know, we're all like loose. There's no like tension. It's just we're here yeah. to relax ourselves and in that environment I was able to talk more about my skill set and then and then also because I like to network we had mutual friends and so it was just a really beautiful chemistry which led to a job interview a week later that's awesome that's a good story being at the right place at the right time and then taking that opportunity to jump at it and to add to that I would say if ever you have a chance definitely go to one of the events related to said field, right? So I like to go to SIGGRAPH or there's another one called CTN, Creative Talent Network. And a lot of recruiters and artists are there looking for passionate artists to join their team. You know, I've had so many- Lightbox is another one. Lightbox is amazing. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great one. Comic-Con. I've met so many amazing people there that are also looking for passionate artists. And I've had some pretty awesome interviews as well because of that. So I would say get out and network. And even if you have to travel, it more than likely will be time and money well spent because they want to put face- to for real you're sending it and want to see your passion and that'll go much further than just blindly submitting a reel and hoping for the best yeah good point yeah especially now post pandemic where that you can actually do that again <laughs> absolutely yeah and if you can't do that companies are good about virtual virtual meetings like yeah. the one we're having here if you absolutely can't do that don't think it's impossible, but if you, I think if you I saw on LinkedIn, some recruiters just did a bunch of companies got together and did like a zoom recruitment, something beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. So like yeah. LinkedIn, yeah. Just being in the aware and always being on the lookout for stuff like that, I think helps. Absolutely. Yeah. From your standpoint, I guess from teaching and just having been in the industry so long, what do you find are the most successful students or people that you've watched their trajectory in their careers that you've worked with, what do you think that they have in common or that they do that makes them successful? Oh, I think the formula is pretty straightforward. They're passionate and they, they tend to cling to passionate people. I, at one point I, I taught at Nomen and it was such a beautiful thing because literally got to see students go from wanting a job to finding their dream job when they graduate. And it was all because they were really dedicated. They would, they were in a way reminded me of my experience in school where I was like always asking questions when I didn't understand something. And on that, on top of doing personal projects and mind you, it's school. So like, you've got all of these assignments, but to fit in time to like learn outside of that curriculum, it goes a long way. And a lot of students I see now working on cool Marvel shows or at game studios, it's because they put in the extra effort to make it happen. So I'd like to encourage students to, whenever they're in my class, take it as far as you can go. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't burn out. Because I've seen that happen to artists with a lot of potential. And at the end of the program, they're like, man, I don't know if I could do this visual effects thing anymore. 
you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. too much of a good thing almost. <laughs> absolutely. Don't overwhelm yourself. Take a few minutes at a time. And again, going back to that five minute rule thing, if you put in a little bit of time to learn something, you'd be surprised at how much more time you've put in and then keep that alive. It's so easy to get distracted and say, you know, I just want to do something unrelated to the skill. And that's okay because the mind needs that, but don't spend too much time because then you start to procrastinate and we all know where that leads. And so that's what I found with teaching is that, and it's not, I'm just observing this occurring. I'm giving the same information to a range of students who get to decide how often that they're working on that stuff. And there's no comparison between someone who's consistently working on, even if it's like what you're saying, five minutes, they're not having to reteach and learn them every time they sit down because they're being so consistent yeah. as opposed to someone who's every couple of weeks, they'll jump back on and then they have to like start over again every time. I think that five minute rule is really good. And it like gets the barrier to entry so low that you don't really have an excuse. <laughs> Everyone has five minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. then you start to think about, all right, yeah, maybe I want to play a video game instead, but nothing against that. But then how much time have you wasted on, on this game at some point? And so I love playing games, but um, at a certain point, you have to put the controller down and say, all right, let me think about my life because... Yeah. The drug analogy we had earlier, you're overdosing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything in moderation. And Every yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love to, again, play games because I get to see, again, geniuses at work, how they bring all of these teams together to create this amazing story and journey. And then just being really fascinated about the art inside of the game and the mechanics. I love to study that, especially as an animator. And then at some point, you just have to say, all right. Let me, let me put the controller down. Let me go ahead and focus on trying to create maybe a section of what I saw and use that as a side project, a weekend project. How much can you do in a weekend, yeah. Saturday, or maybe just one day? Can you create part of this? It's so easy as well to get in inspired and say, I want to do this whole short film. You and I know that it's going to take at least a year to do a small project related to a short film. So just make it even smaller than that. Maybe yeah. it's just from point A to point B, or maybe it's just, oh, I want to model this certain piece, add textures to it. and that alone will help you flesh out an entire model, yeah. those kinds of skills. And that's what it's all about, just learning bits and pieces so that you can bring it all together for one like epic. I think that's project. a good advice. And it reminds me of another interview I did with a guy named Marvin, who's a first person shooter animator. He's 19 years old and he works in the industry. Nice. And I think it was the nature of being interested in first person shooters, naturally limited what he had to focus on. It was just like hands, gun, and that was it. As opposed mm -hmm. to what you're saying, some people might think of a whole short film and then they never get anything done because they're having to do so many things. And like he naturally, because of what he chose to be interested in or was interested in, it was very limited in what he could do anyway. So he very quickly got up to speed. He works in the industry. He never went to school for it and just kind of self-taught and did stuff on the weekends. And Oh, great. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's a good example of that. What you're describing applied that, mm -hmm. that led to his career. But yeah, that's, I love hearing stories like that because I've, I've been in discussions like this. I've read articles about this when it comes to school and school's amazing because you're going to get, again, a, a wide variety of, of knowledge and you'll have so much to, to offer if, if you decide to like truly just grasp, absorb what the instructor is teaching you. There's some people that have also succeeded that haven't gone through school. Maybe, maybe they've gone through courses, online courses related to something they're interested in, but it goes to show you as long as you're really passionate about it, something that you'll do till 3am, then yeah, you yeah. know, you can without the degree but the degree does this help because it for obvious reasons it shows the employer that you're able to see it through to the end yeah this very difficult course and sometimes accelerated course depending on what school you go to and not only that if you're then given some kind of award or prestige then you know that goes a long way too accolade that hey the student was solid that also goes a long way that's again what happened at full sale where i actually got like the advanced achievement award 
Mm. And the reason why I got the Advanced Achievement Award in my class is because I was the guy asking questions. And when it came time to exams, to do exams, I would literally use exactly what they were teaching me and then try to take it a step further just to make sure I understood the subject matter. And so... Yeah. yeah, that's a great way to approach that stuff. And I, my example for that, when I went through school, is I did every assignment twice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> I learned that in, in AP history in high school. I was like, if I read the chapter twice, I would always get like a whole letter grade better on that yeah. week's test. I'm just going to do more. I'll just do it again. And in, you have to, to me, find that exaggerating helps too. Oh boy, I'm going to learn something, you know. Sometimes you have to put a, a bit more energy into to learning it because again, when you're especially when you're new to something and you're like, dude, I really want to do this. If you just get overly excited about something, that usually helps me want to do it twice. Yeah. Because subjects that are just like, oh, I'll never do this again. But the moment you say that is the moment, trust me, the moment you say, Oh, I don't want to make this or model this or texture this, that's when that is gonna creep up in your career. And you don't again, you want to be able to say yes. And even, um, and a lot of times I'll find people might not be enthusiastic about something to learn something. And maybe they think it's not as exciting or it's too simple. I have found, yeah. I usually get burned at work. If I ever have the attitude going into something like, oh, this shouldn't take too long. It should be pretty simple. I, anytime I'm always like, if I have that thought, I'm like, whoop, slow down. Cause that's, it's usually the ones that are simple. Somehow it gets absolutely. more complicated and, the, and you get burnt on it and you're like, oh, dang, I should have not approached it that way. You'd be surprised that how something that might seem innocent eventually turns into and an ordeal. So yeah, that's a great point. Don't get caught off guard. <laughs> yeah. I want to be respectful of your time. We've been going for a little bit. Is there any last things you'd want to kind of piece of advice or anything you would want to say to someone starting out, not knowing where to start or not knowing if it's right for them? Yeah, I would say for one, I think I wanted to answer one of your earlier questions about going from teaching to jumping into the industry. Cause I don't know if I answered that completely, but yeah, eventually at some point, I think it's healthy to just do something new. I think I read in an article somewhere, like after a few years of working at a certain place, unless it's your dream job and you never want to leave, it's a good idea to switch gears just to just to stay healthy. And and went to I found that really helped a lot. So like, you know, I, I taught for a while, but I always had a passion to be in the trenches with my friends and work on amazing like shows related to maybe Disney, Marvel or whatever I found I had an interest in. And that helped keep me passionate as well. And I keep throwing that word out because it, it, that's what helps you get through the hurdle that you're going to run into when, you know, you're working as an artist, right? It's just, just not being distracted and not letting certain things get you down because there are going to be days when you're like, oh, how am I going to achieve this? That's also real. So knowing that as long as you just stay focused, you'd be surprised at what you can accomplish. And, and again, switching gears, doing new things, learning new things will help keep your imagination and your, your diligence strong and help you get the the dream job you eventually want to have yeah. and say, yeah. Yeah. So I'd say at some point it, it is okay to move on because the, the reason why I'm bringing this up and I'm glad you asked this is because again, I've been in conversations before where artists get really drained when they're like, man, I, it's just, I'm, I'm exhausted. And it's, I don't know if I want to stay at the studio uh, for much longer. It's not that they hate the studio. It's just that Hey, at some point, I just want to try something new that is healthy. You know, I wanted to make that point clear as well. Yeah. I, I think people recognize that too. Because I think some, maybe some people come in, into the career with a bit more of a traditional mindset that they need to stick around a place 20 years or something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just not the case. I think a lot of places people move around a lot. And so people doing the hiring and managing, I think, acknowledge that. And they're pretty realistic. That's what occurs. And what you said, it's even healthy. I think. <clears throat> so that's a good advice. Cool. Thanks for the time, Delano. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Always great chatting with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for the interview. If you want to learn from Delano like I did when I was starting out, he's going to be teaching one week of Animator's Journey Intermediate. He's going to cover all that an animator needs to know about scripting in Python. 
So we're not gonna get into the weeds. We're not gonna cover crazy in-depth stuff. It's only going to be the minimum effective dose that you need for an animator. So we don't need to know all the ins and outs as an animator about Python, but there is a little bit that we can know that will take us a long way. Enroll in Animator's Journey beginner class so that you're ready for when enrollment opens for Intermediate, where you can learn from Delano as well as myself. Visit animatorsjourney.com to begin. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I'll see you in the next one.